Welcome to the Break Plateau Show, where the life experience of others helps you break plateaus in your health, health, wealth, wealth, and relationships. And relationships. Here's your host, Ty. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Break Plateau Show. And today we have Kimberly on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, so it's it's been a pretty amazing being connected to the Enlifted community as of late. And uh, yeah, we're going to get right into this, talking about language, a bit of your story. So just to kick this off, do you want to give us a bit of a background to yourself, Kimberly? Like who you are, give us a bit of a context. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kimberly Kesting. I'm a health coach and the community manager for Enlifted Coaches. My... Uh, my experience working in health coaching, I really focused primarily on nutrition coaching for women and around weight loss and really getting a strong mindset portion of that under, under control, helping us to reclaim our stories and understand how, what we think about ourselves and the stories that we hold influence our behaviors around our health and wellness. And that's what we do within Lifted. So we use practical mindset tools to unlock freedom and confidence is our tagline of the Enlifted Method. And I utilize those tools with health coaching and now really guiding and leading other health coaches and other uh, coaches of all kinds, business coaches, life coaches, um, leadership coaches. We work with everyone in Enlifted to help refine the power of words and language and do exactly that, provide those practical mindset tools for unlocking freedom and confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And what really got you into the nutrition coaching? Because I've got a a solid background into the nutrition and training lifestyle. And yeah, I did have quite a few female clientele, like that was the predominant clientele that I had. So what what specifically got you into nutrition? What, What sparked that curiosity? So it was my own weight loss journey. So Mm -hmm. I, the short, the spark notes of the, of the conversation is that I growing up was an athlete and really never had to consider much about what I was eating. Uh, my mom is actually a nutritionist. So I was provided with a lot of like healthy meals and I understood the basics around food. But once I stopped, uh, competing in sports, which was after college and I started to, I was living in New York city at the time. I went to a deep dive down to drinking and food and enjoying all that New York City has to offer. And before I knew it, I was just very overweight, out of shape and unhappy in my life. I was unfulfilled in my career. I was really feeling this uh, sense of being like an outsider in my own body. Like I didn't feel comfortable in my own body. So I got myself back into the gym. I started to get back into paying attention to what I was eating and, you know, took me a solid four to five years, but I was able to lose the 95 pounds that I gained (laughs) over the experience of time, which was over, you know, probably, it probably took me, I mean, I was the gaining. It took me just as long as it took me to lose it. And then, Mm. uh, going through that journey, I just completely fell in love with health and fitness and realized how much of a passion I had for it. And really specifically around educating other people, because I thought to myself, you know, if someone with a background of being an athlete with a mom, who's a nutritionist is struggling with this and had this experience, like most people don't know anything about what to eat or how to eat or any, any Like if, you know, if I had all of the tools at my own disposal and I still fell victim to this experience, then people need help. And so I started to, I was, and I was working in a job that I liked, but didn't really love. And so I started getting into health coaching and started to see the idea of becoming an entrepreneur and building up my own coaching business and creating a lot of freedom for myself in that and like fueled by passion. So I took the dive that was in twenty. 2017 was when I really started to like go to work on it. 2018 was when I really took the biggest steps forward towards it. And then I've never looked back. Hell yeah. Love it. Love it. And you said something really um, important in that little section there is it took you just as long to lose it as what it did to, to like for you to gain it. And that's something I kind of want to highlight there because you know, the way we get marketed to on television, our social medias, all that sort of stuff is, especially in that weight loss um, realm is, 
do a 28 day fat loss and you'll have abs, those kinds of things, right? So before anyone, any of the listeners that are listening to this, if you're thinking about going on a weight loss journey whatsoever, just don't get upset if you don't have abs in 28 days when you go on those four week before and afters, because it doesn't always happen like that. Have a think about how consistently you were making the incorrect decisions to, you know, gain weight, then reverse engineer that because that's the way it, it's the law of averages, right? How consistent you are at doing anything that's going to result to where you are today. And the same goes for weight loss. If you're, yeah, you can do it in a rapid way, but is that going to be maintainable for your lifestyle? Because I know for one from, from per, firsthand experience throughout my personal training uh, career was that when I did those four and eight week challenges, they were great for a bit of motivation for a bit there. But at the end of it, a lot of the time when they don't have that four or eight week goal, it's back to the old habits. So it's about building that consistency and, and using that language. So that's something that I want to jump into there as well, because especially with the female side of things what, that I noticed was there was always the language that the women were, you know, battling with and, and the mindset and all that sort of jazz. So let's touch on that with in relation to weight loss as well, because I think that's a that's something that we can go down the rabbit hole a little bit there. Oh, absolutely. And for the record, I still don't have abs, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) that was something where, uh, you know, like the, the journey of, um, so the journey of weight loss, what I ultimately learned made me successful and what allowed me to really step into the type of person who could show up consistently to the gym, who could make good choices day after day after day was that I held the belief that I could right? I saw myself successful at it before I actually was successful. And whether this was, you know, divine guidance or what, I don't know, I can't say, but what I've come to learn through the Enlifted method and learning what I now am a fiend for and super specialized in is the idea of identity, right? How the stories we hold and the identities that we hold shape our reality and shape our outcomes. And I didn't know much about that at the time that I was on this weight loss journey for myself. What I knew was that I didn't like the way I looked and felt and that I could change it. I understood that it was something that was within my control. What I know to be true working with clients is, and specifically within women, most people, that's not the case. Most people can't see themselves in the successful result. Most people are uh, in that state of being the victim mentality that... I'm always destined to be fat. I'm never going to be able to get the body that I want. Uh, It's just too hard to show up and and do the things I need to do. Like I can take two steps forward and then I take five steps back. And the reason that they're not succeeding really is because they hold this belief that they are always going to look this way, or they're always going to feel this way, or they're always going to struggle. And that's not true. It's not true. And we can change our behaviors. We can change our actions. We can get the result we want. And when I say this divine guidance or whatnot, you know, I didn't understand. I, I did not understand the idea of that. I couldn't succeed at it. Right. Like I just knew that if I, that was like the reality of not getting to the end result for me was possible, but it wasn't where I put my attention. I put my attention on how I wanted to look and feel. I put my attention on more so how I wanted to feel, right? That was, that's a question that I utilize with clients often is how do you want to feel? Like, I want you to get this image in your head. I want you to sink into this feeling in your body of this is how I'm going to feel when I achieve my result. And I talk, I talk to people often about the idea of who's the person that's showing up to this workout or who's the person that's showing up in the kitchen. Is it the current you or is it the future you that sees the success and sees the results and is clear about why they're doing what they're doing. So when I started to learn about stories and how those, the stories that our clients hold, the beliefs that our clients hold, how they're all formed from uh, experiences when we're young, how they're all formed by the words that we tell ourselves, that victim mentality, how we can fuel it with specific thoughts and phrases. I started to realize, wow, this 
you know, we can talk about positive mindset all day. We can talk about, you know, mm. belief in yourself. We can talk about trying to eradicate limiting beliefs, but until we have the practical tools, which is the words and breath, mm. how are we really doing that? So through my own experience, what I learned was even with that idea of the success identity with an image in my head of how my body was going to look with the image of how I was going to, or the feeling of how I wanted to feel in mind, that got me pretty far. But the thing was, was once I got to that result, it worked for me in my weight loss journey. And then once I got into building a business, I didn't have that same success identity. I didn't have that same un unwavering belief in myself because that was something I didn't 100% know how to do. So that's where I found the Enlifted Method. That's where I found Mark as uh, Mark England as a coach. And he taught me a lot about that. And then I was able to learn because that was the part of my life that I couldn't see, couldn't, I wanted the success, but I couldn't quite see. So yeah. I started to learn these tools of words, story, and breath to apply onto how I was thinking and behaving and feeling about myself and my business. And that unlocked the full potential of what I could do because it made me more aware. It was the same, you know, the same concept of see your success, see yourself in this identity of success, take on those identities, learn the thoughts and phrases that you're telling yourself to talk yourself out of those opportunities and let's redirect them. And then, oh yeah, let's look back to some behaviors and thoughts and feelings and things that happened to you, like when you were younger that have formed throughout your life. And let's dissect those two and like unlock this for you to be able to move forward in your business and career. And so what I, then I learned those skills, right? I was able to apply them with my clients. And so that mm. created so much literally say freedom and confidence. That's exactly what it does. It created freedom for them from their old habits, behaviors, identities, and created confidence in the new ones that they wanted to build. So just by focusing on the words, right? So we haven't talked about that practical piece much yet, yeah. but that's what we do. We we're not talking about anything that's so, um, you know, I'm waving my hands around my head. That's like, so <laughs> like lofty and, and, um, aloof. It's like, we're talking practical here. We're talking about what are the exact phrases you're saying to yourself? What are the exact words you use? What, what are the thoughts that pop up when you start to doubt yourself or sabotage yourself? And then mm. let's look at that. So it's not necessarily like, Oh, let's, we, the thoughts and beliefs behind the patterns and behaviors that are not working for you is what we're interested in talking about. Yeah, hell yeah. That that um that always brings up a lot this conversation here because you know, like same same thing with myself as well. Like when I went from personal training and then I ended up quitting that for a little while and moving over to Bali and when I came back I didn't really feel um that I could serve as a coach because I wasn't in the best headspace. I went through a breakup, all that sort of stuff and wasn't living the healthiest life over there. I was a little I was quite self-destructive, but I was enjoying myself while I was over there. I was surfing, but I was also drinking and and wasn't really doing much else over there. So when I came back, I wasn't really feeling that I was fit to be a coach. So that was my 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 headspace then. I was telling myself that I wasn't fit to be a coach. I wasn't there to be able to show up for other individuals, which talked me into going back to FIFO, which is a spin out to me because when I quit FIFO the first time and which is fly and fly out work, was I'll never go back there. And then I found myself back there because I talked myself into into that <laughs> that career sort of stage again. And um Talking about those identity shifts, when I got to the point for the second time that I was like, you know, no, I am not not supposed to be here anymore. It was just a matter of quitting that and then coming back. But I, ha I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I thought, yeah, I'll go back to coaching. But at the same time, I also went to a into a headspace of like, okay, cool. There's the online world. I have got a quite a bit of experience in marketing as well. And it was at the start of 2020 when this flu was got started to go around. And that's where I saw the opportunity to help out businesses to get online. And that's when I really started up a marketing agency. And for me, it was like, all right, I've never started a marketing agency. And I was like, I can just do this. I can definitely do this because I've got the skills there to build funnels, systems, all that sort of jazz. And now we're running a full marketing agency as well. And it's a bit of a spin out with the, um, the, the headspace around that and that identity shift because I'd never been 
like fully in that mode of being the marketer. I never wanted to do that, but I just delved into it and yeah, just went all for it. So um, it's an interesting piece there to really focus in on what you are doing with your identity and the, and the stories that you're telling yourself because yeah, it, it really does shape your identity and, and fast forward to yeah, getting towards the end of 2021 and um, at the stage now where we're just about to have our marketing agency fully delegated so that I can actually really just focus on the systems and overlooking everything and really focusing on my coaching and consulting. Yeah. And when you, like you, so to use the practical piece, right, to demonstrate a little bit of this, you said that when you started the marketing agency, you, you were telling yourself, I can definitely do this. That's a very solid way to speak to yourself. And that's a very definitive way that you're going to show up when you hold that identity, right? You're like, I know the sales funnels in and out. I know I can support people getting their business online. That's very different than saying something like, I think I might be able to do this, right? That mm. includes soft talk. So, and often what holds people back from living into the identities that they want is soft talk, some aspect of self-doubt that creeps in and it's specific words, right? So if we look at the words and we say, I definitely know I can do this, that's very solid. That's extra solid. If we say, I think I might be able to help people with their marketing, Okay, not the same thing. And so if I'm listening as a listener, right, and I'm your potential client, and you're saying, oh, I can definitely help you. I know exactly what to provide. I'm like, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. He can definitely help me. On the same side, if I hear you say, I think I might be able to help you. I'm like, well, he's not that sure. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. <laughs> it's no different in your own head. It's the exact mm. same thing. <laughs> so yeah. When you're speaking to somebody, right, and you're giving them a very solid like proposal or giving them a very solid pitch, right? You know that that person is going to, if you show up solidly, they're going to receive and say, yeah, he's got the answer. If you do that in your own head, you're also going to live into that success identity. You're going to be able to step into that. That was similar. That was what I was experiencing in my weight loss journey, right? That's why I was successful. It's like, I knew I could do it. I knew I had the tools. It was very, to me, it was like a matter of fact, right? It was just, this is a process and this is how I do this thing. Yeah, it sucks at times. Yeah, it's hard, but this is the result. I know this is the process. I can totally do it. When I went into my business, I didn't have that same belief in myself because it was something totally new that I had never experienced before. And at the time, this was when... Uh, health and fitness coaching was, was definitely th something that people were doing. And it was the beginning stages of people being able to make a full successful entrepreneurial business with it in the way that it is now. Like the coaching industry has exploded in the past three years mm -hmm. and people are a lot, there's a lot more people that are able to, to make a living as coaches because of online business. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's newer in the fields of coaching I didn't see a ton of people like successfully modeling it to me. I definitely didn't see it in and around my community. So while I had the drive to do it and I was like very much like, I know I can help people. I know people need this. I know that uh, this is something I want to do. It was the, that soft talk and that self-doubt that was coming in for me. That was like, well, I don't know. I kind of want this. Like, I think I can do that. Like maybe people will want to buy this from me. I might be able to make enough money. It wasn't solid. It wasn't solid at all. Yeah. <laughs> so that belief that I had, right, that infiltrates every part of your thought process, all pieces of your day, everything that you're doing is like, you, you know, one side of you is like, yeah, I want to go out and get clients today or, oh, I'm going to be able to speak to this person and this person and, and I hopefully I'm going to sign them up. That's like, come on, you like, I want, it's like, I'm going to speak to this person today and I'm going to sell them this package. I'm going to speak to this person. And I'm going to sell them this package. Totally different energy. You may not actually get that result, right? Because there's other variables that we can mm, work with. Yeah. But the idea being that in your own mind, it's like the best thing you can do for yourself is create certainty. And the best mm. thing you can do for yourself is create an identity that serves what it is you want to achieve. And that's what the yeah. language work allows us to do is to really get clear on that and really be able to dissect and look at that practical piece, right? So when we say practical, we mean you can practice it. 
You can hear the thoughts, isolate those thoughts. Notice the soft talk. Notice if you have negations, right? That's another component of this. You're going to learn all this when you go through the level. Yeah, yeah. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's so simple. It's so simple. Yeah. Like, and it, it comes down to like the most basic things. And then as soon as you become aware of them, you're like, oh, got it. Yeah. Well, that, that that's one thing that word want that, that came up over the weekend with the, the retreat with Exalto Breath. And um, so it was a full breath work day and, and we went right into our values and a bit of language and then talking about being in a forceful, like, uh, emotional state or a power state. And that word want, just changing that to willing was a completely different story there, right? So I want... Mm to have a successful coaching business that is in a desire mode where you're kind of trying to force that a little bit. Whereas if you say, I'm willing to put the work in to have a su successful coaching business, that's a completely different story. The same with our weight loss as well for anyone listening yeah. that is on a Let's weight loss Let's take it one journey. step further, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I was going to say that we can take that statement one step further of I'm willing to put in the work to have a successful coaching business. That's a little clunky to me. I'm willing to have a successful coaching business. Mm. That, right? It's like, well, the work is implied, right? That piece is implied. The shorter we can make these statements and the more concise we can make them, the more definitive we can make them. To go from, uh, I want to have a successful coaching business, That's that's still like, it's a little bit like out of reach, you know, there's like this idea of like, I have to reach for it. Um, yeah. or it's something that I'm, I'm dreaming of that I don't have yet. The difference of, you know, it's a more of a reach, right? I'm willing to have a successful coaching business is like me standing there, arms wide open, like come to me, successful coaching business. Let's do this thing. Yeah. And it's important to highlight, right? The words create pictures in our minds and they create feelings in our body. So when we say sentences like that, any sentence that we say creates a picture, a mental image, and a feeling. So when we talk about it in relation to something that is already emotionally charged, wanting a successful business, it becomes, it's, it can constrict you or it can open you up and it can lead you to success or it can keep you stuck over here in overwhelm and inaction, right? So <laughs> we look at the things we want, that feeling of open, expansive, like attainable, versus feeling like even the, cause the piece, the clunky part to me was to put in the work. Like that's me yeah. felt constrictive. Cause I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. this is going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be work. Oh no. Yeah. Of course it's going to be work. Right. But it, the difference yeah. between saying like, I'm willing to have it is I'm willing to do what it takes. You know, I'm willing to show up for this and I'm willing to receive it when it comes my way to, you know, totally different mental pictures for me. And yeah, I'm, I'm willing to have it. I'm willing to have a successful business. Is like hell yeah, give it to me. Let's go do this thing. Yeah, I like that. That that's shortening it up and making it a lot easier to roll off the tongue there as well. And that's something in the in the coaching field as well because I found that a lot throughout the clients that I was helping get on stage in the bodybuilding side of things, and a lot with the females, right? So it was always a focus on the outcome and not going like focusing on the whole process of it because it was every time that they finished that competition prep. So it could be 12 or 16 weeks. And then at the end of that, it was like, Oh, what do I do now? I've got, I've got no goal there. So it was, I want to be, like be top three in this competition and they'll get to that result or whatever it may be. But then afterwards it was just, Oh, I've got no want. I've got no willing to do anything now. It's just like, what do I do? Whereas like, I've got a few clients still in the bodybuilding space. It's not something that I fully partake in now. However, one of my clients, Suzette, she's just finished up a competition a couple of weeks ago and she's still in the same shape. She's got habitual practices that she does every single day. And she goes, you know, I'm not blowing out post comp because this is, this is my daily practice. This is my lifestyle. This is what I'm willing to do to show up as the individual that I am every single day. And it's amazing to see the difference now in that versus that yo-yo dieting going through that 12 weeks 
doing the competition and then blowing the hell out and then needing that competition again to get yourself back into the shape. Like that's sort of what the headspace is and it just goes through those loops. Like why not create those habitual practices? So let's have a bit of a talk about that because, you know, let's let's focus in on the process and not the outcome so much can you enjoy the whole process have you got anything practical there with with language with anything like that that you can suggest totally so what comes to mind for me there is the difference it, to me that's an it's still the conversation of identity and what's working there for for Suzette is she has the identity that serves her that the the competition is not the whole identity, right? The, mm. the the identity she has is this is who I am every day, regardless of if there's a competition or not. This is what I choose. These are the behaviors I want to have. This is how I feel good. This is how I'm happy, right? Whatever those thoughts are for her is that identity serves her every single day. The mm. person who's, you know, working to compete, their identity is wrapped up in that competition, because it's, I'm doing this for a specific thing and I have to get to that point to be the best and to win this competition. Then they get to that point of the competition, regardless of what their outcome is, right? They could be first, they could be winning by a landslide. They could be the last person, you know, like it could be any range of the thing, regardless of what the outcome is, they're not satisfied because their identity is so wrapped up in that idea of being evaluated on stage. So they're working towards this peak experience that is, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. This is my identity to get to this place. We get to this place. It doesn't provide us with the feeling that we want, right? Because it's, we think it's going to be one way. And again, regardless of what the result is, because this person is striving for something or is working for something and likely where is that motivation coming from? Right. Mm -hmm. Is it coming from a place of, I support myself. I love myself. I feel really great. This is optimal for my health. I feel awesome. Right. In the world of bodybuilding, likely not. I hate to say it. Right. That's a, that's a sport that breeds a lot of, um, a lot of personal stories about our worth being tied to our appearance and our identity being tied to our appearance that likely there's deeper things underneath that, that people want to address, could address, have the possibility to address, right? But it's, well, if I look good and I can win this thing and I can get to this competition day and show up and be the best, then I'm going to be happy or then I'm going to yeah. be perfect. And then regardless of what that outcome is, after they get over that hump of that high, right? Even if they win, now the next day, they're not the winner anymore right? The mm -hmm. life goes on, the competition's over. I'm not the winner anymore. And then I just fall, I, I fall back into the things that were haunting me well before the show. Right. So I fall back into the behaviors and the thought patterns because I no longer, uh, we've moved on, right? Life keeps going. And now yeah. I'm not the center of attention anymore. I'm not like showing up to compete and that the difference there, right? Suzette, she's showing up every day and she's like, I don't care about this comp, right? Part of her cares about the competition. She wants, yeah. she wants, but it's not her whole identity. And this mm. happens with people who are in any aspect of like competitive sport. You know, I'm sure that it's not unique to bodybuilding. And I'm sure that it, there's yeah. plenty of other people that when you're working for a competition or a performance, that becomes your identity. That becomes the thing that consumes you. And as soon as that one piece is like plucked away, because either because we completed or we check it off, whatever it is, now we're right back to where we were before we started working for that. And so the advice I have for that person is really like, it's awesome to compete at things. It's awesome to work really hard to show up and give it your all and be your best. Show up and strive to be your best every single day, regardless yeah. of what somebody else has to say about it. Show up as your best for you, right? This is learning about how to hold up that mirror and say, hey, Every morning you like wink at yourself and like, Hey, good luck. And you looking awesome today. Feeling good too. <laughs> Amazing. Right. It's about holding the identities that serve us to feel good, regardless of what anyone else has to say about it. Yeah. Hell yeah. And, and I can tell a bit of a story about that through the end of my bodybuilding career. So towards, I've, I've mentioned this briefly, but let's touch in on that, like properly on this episode today. So at the end of my bodybuilding career, so I went 
did the full circuit around Australia. I had won the Queensland titles, then I won the world qualifier, and then I came runner-up at the Arnold Classic all over a period of, I think it was four to five weeks, three competitions back-to-back. And I got invited to go compete over in Spain at the world titles, all that sort of jazz. So anyone in the bodybuilding career, they kind of strive, like that's the, the point in your amateur career where you start to move into Am I become? Am I going to become pro? And on stage at Arnold's, the third competition where I came runner-up, you know, I got called out, got my trophy and, and, and medallion, all that sort of jazz. And I was up there, and and that feeling of like I didn't really care that much. Like I didn't, you know, that wasn't the identity that I wanted to have. It was just like, ah. Uh, is this the feeling? Because I feel like I enjoyed the whole process up to this just as much, if not more, than actually getting the trophy. And to me, at that point in time, like I wasn't in the healthiest position. Like I was quite healthy as a bodybuilder, but as an individual, I wasn't completely healthy. And that was when I had first started to partake in my university degree was looking down the naturopathic philosophies, right? And when we're looking at the principles of a naturopath, it's first do no harm, the healing power of nature, identify and treat the cause, doctor as teacher, treat the whole person, and then prevention, right? So looking at that, it's treat the whole when it, and, and first do no harm. And I was doing a bit of harm there on my individual body because I was pushing myself to a point where I was using performance-enhancing drugs. And when afterwards I had a look at my blood work, all that sort of jazz, and I was in my mid-20s, right? So looked at my blood works and then I went, okay, great, now my sperm motility is no good. So I got that tested. My testosterone had crashed right down. So I'm a, I'm a min, in, like an early, t- like in early adulthood and I've got crashed testosterone, no sperm motility. It's like, are you serious? I'm not going to be able to have kids if I keep going down this path. Like obviously I'll fix that now due to, you know, learning about holistic health. And that's something else that I want to dive into a bit there is, looking at treating the whole. Now, the way that I look at that, it's not just using herbals, nutrition, training. It's also the language side of that. And I'm really excited to go deep on that because that's something that I really found after, you know, being in that bodybuilding space is it's not just giving someone a training in nutrition and supplement protocol. It's having that connection with them and picking up on the language that they are using in their individual life that is making them stick to that path that isn't serving them at, the, at their best potential. So for me, that naturopathic principle, treat the whole, it is the language as well. When you can package that all together and provide that to an individual, that's really going to be a needle mover and, and change someone's life. So can we get into that a little bit yeah. there is because like I know you're working with nutrition and you probably would have had this before yourself as well before getting into the language. How do you package that? So how do you tie that together with the nutrition and the language to help people get um, results with their weight loss? Absolutely. So at the end of the day, right, what's amazing about the Enlifted Method and this process of using language story, understanding, or breathing mechanics is that really this can be applied in any coaching scenario. So because the system is focused on the words that we're using and the mechanics of storytelling, how we're telling ourselves the stories that we're telling ourselves, it could be applied in relation to nutrition. It could be applied to childhood traumas. It could be applied to, um, you know, how you want to build your business. It can be applied to how you want to show up and have a conversation with your mom. You know, like it's, it comes down to how you're going to interact with people in your life because you have, you know, we all utilize words to contextualize the world around us and our thoughts influence our reality, right? What we think and what we say results in what we do, how we behave. So when it comes to the nutrition component, a lot of what I look at with clients and the way that I consider what they're saying in their words is so much about just where their nervous system's at, right? Mm. So if I'm speaking with somebody who is 
coming into a console and it's like speaking 5,000 words a minute and is clearly their breath is trapped in their chest. They're unable to be really truly present in this moment with me because they're just wound up and they're tight and they're stressed, right? What does that tell me about likely how they're operating while they're eating, how they're operating when they're at the grocery store, how they're interacting with their food, right? They're, I'm going to get a good picture of the fact this person's stressed. This person is, uh, tight, right? Their, yeah. their nervous system is, is unable to relax into that parasympathetic state. So that's one of the first things that we learned, like through this, this style of coaching is where, where, where's your client at, at this point in time. And then the next thing we're going to do is help them get more clarity and more accuracy with what they're saying. So we can take a look at, you know, um, a classic example that I like to use is, uh, when you're projecting and you're saying like, you know, I really wanted to eat better today, but my boyfriend made me eat a cheeseburger. Right. And it's like, that means it's not my fault. It means it's his fault. Like he was the one who chose this. And now I had to, I was the victim in this place. I had to have the cheeseburger because he wanted to have a cheeseburger. And what that is, is that's a language pattern there that facilitates that victim mentality. It takes, it disempowers us. It makes us say like, I didn't have a choice in the matter. It wasn't, it wasn't me that opted for this. It was someone else. Right. Same thing could be along the lines of, um, I didn't get to the gym today because my boss made me stay late at work, right? It's not my fault. It's my boss's fault. And what we hear there as a coach with these tools, right? A coach who doesn't understand the concept of a projection, which is assigning the blame outside of yourself and saying that pointing the finger at someone else and saying, this is their fault. I would, before I learned that tool, I would hear people say that I'd say, oh, okay. All right. So you didn't make it to the gym today because your boss made you stay late. Um, okay, well, we can't change that. There's nothing we can do there. And I would just continue to try to like coach them outside of that. And, or your boyfriend made you eat a cheeseburger. It's like, okay, well, how can you communicate to your boyfriend that you want to eat something better or different? And that would be my approach before the language game. Mm. My approach now is when I hear my clients say something like that is to say, Hey, hold on a second, write that statement down. My boyfriend made me eat a cheeseburger. Okay. Period. Read it out loud. Read it back to me. My boyfriend made me eat a cheeseburger. And now you start to see the wheels turn in their head a little bit. And they're like, did he really make me or did I choose it? And then it's, we just take out, we do a simple reverse. We do projection to reflection. I made me eat a cheeseburger and it's like, Oh my God, mm. I was the one who did it. <laughs> now, all of a sudden that takes that disempowered choice where we're assigning blame outside of ourselves and puts back to our court and says, well, you know, there was a salad on the menu and they had a grilled chicken sandwich that I could have gotten. And there was these other things that were available to me that were in my control within my decision-making power. Right. Okay, cool. So now I just understand, like, I have responsibility for me. It's not anyone else's responsibility to help me hit my goals. It's not my coach's responsibility even to help me hit my goals. It's my responsibility to help me hit my goals. Same thing with, like, my boss made me stay late for work. We, we can do that same flip. We can change my boss for I, right? I made me stay late at work, which might just kind of irk a person because it's like, no, I didn't make me do it. They made me do it. It might be um, just finding a little more clarity around that statement of, like, my boss made me stay late for work because uh, we were working on a big project that's going to get us a new client. And that client is going to um, provide me with a bonus, right? If I, if I land this client, it's going to get me a bonus. It's shifting the focus, right? Of saying like, wait, this might actually be a really good opportunity versus playing that victim state of mm -hmm. I stay late for work and I'm so mad I missed the gym. We're using it as like the scapegoat of like, oh, well, I have to stay late at work so I couldn't go to the gym, right? Oh, man. And mm. really helping people understand that how they speak and what they say is a direct relation of the outcome. So if instead of saying my boss made me stay late at work, it's like I chose to stay late at work to land a big client. Well, now I look at this was a priority for me, right? The gym mm. is still a priority for me, but this was also a big priority for me. And now I don't feel angry about it. Rather, I feel excited about it because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this big client and that's going to be really beneficial to me. So 
it's like taking that story that lives in our head and going and reframing it, flipping it on its side by isolating the exact words that we use. And that's why it can work in any scenario that doesn't have to be specific to nutrition or specific to health coaching. It could work in um, a relationship where it could be, you know, you always make me feel like blah, you know, you always make me feel like I'm uh, asking for too much. You always make me feel like that or I make me feel like that. Two mm-hmm. totally different sentences, two totally different mental pictures. And it puts the ownership back on the person and says, I, okay, right, great. Like, I'm in control of me. I'm in control of my feelings. And in a lot of, I mean, I'm sure, as you know, in the realm of health coaching, many people have struggled to take responsibility for themselves, right? That's why they hire a coach because they think, oh, this coach mm-hmm. is going to fix me. <laughs> oh, they're yeah. going to have the answer to me. This is going to solve my problem. It's like, well, actually, I'm going to guide you to your solution. You're the one who's going to do the work here. I'm just going to guide you there. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to put you in a position to succeed. I'm going to help you do that. I'm going to support you in it. This is all on you, bud. And that's a hard pill to swallow for all of us in any aspect of our lives, right? Taking that ownership, taking that accountability of yourself. And yeah. especially in an area that feels emotionally charged, Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get that a bit in the coaching space. I'm sure that you've had it before as well. It's like, I've had this coach, this coach, and this coach, but they didn't get me the results. It's like, they didn't get you the results more often than not. If you follow the plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you're, you're putting your health in the hands of someone else. Like you go to a coach for guidance, not for the result. And, and that's a, that's a pretty big thing to touch on there. And that comes back to something that we went over on the weekend was our values. So the individual that my boyfriend made me have the cheeseburger, right? So what are your values? If you're valuing health, okay, so let's go a little deeper. Why do you value health? So that you have more energy every single day so that you can show up as a great coach or in your business or to play with your kids. Okay, cool. There's your value. You, you value health because you want to have more energy to play with your kids, right? Cool. All right. So when you go out with your boyfriend for that cheeseburger, what do you look at there? Do you go, oh, he's having a cheeseburger. Cool. I'm going to choose something else because I value my health so I can have energy to play with my kids. Then the next thing that, that I seem to find that comes up is like, oh, but I don't want to make them feel bad for having a cheeseburger. Like then they feel bad. It's like at the end of the day, you can't control how anyone else feels. Everybody controls how they feel. They can, like, you react to how you feel about things. Like, yeah, there are circumstances that are going to, you know, shift you in certain ways and bring up challenges. But at the end of the day, it's your choice to go into that victim mentality and poor me or choose to go, no, I value this. So this is the decision I'm making and I'm going to be solid on that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> have you got any similar stories yeah, around absolutely. that and, and want to touch on that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole, the most valuable piece of that I have gained personally and professionally from learning the, the enlifted method in the system of conflict language versus architect language, which is how we identify conflict languages, that soft talk that really creates a lot of ambiguity negations, which tell us folks on what we don't want. And then projections, which is that person outside of me is responsible for what happened to me. And that's really like at the root of the victim mentality, all three of those pillars of conflict language, just fuel fire to people's victim mentality. <laughs> so mm. on the other side of the victim mentality is a hero's mindset, right? That's a person who's in that living in that land of architect language, creating the reality they want, creating the life they want, creating the outcomes that they want. And when when we're in this place of before we know what that victim mentality is, before we know how to deconstruct it and before we know how to like demystify this, like, you know, I'm the victim of all these circumstances around me, you know, everything's happening to me. Before we learn that language pattern, it's very difficult to escape that loop because Mm. what we do is we just seek something else, right? And okay, my boyfriend made me eat the cheeseburgers, but then let me get this coach that's going to help me. And then, you know, it's like putting every other responsibility still outside of you. 
What the language checking does is takes it and it puts everything right back into your center. It helps you understand I am in control of every single thing that I do. I'm in control of how I behave. I'm in control of how I experience reality. I'm in control of how I respond to other people. I'm in control of me. Uh, Most people do not operate like that in the world. Most people, while they may recognize they have some autonomy or they have some ability to create and and manifest what they want in their lives, most people don't take that radical self-responsibility. Or if they do, it maybe is like by force rather than by, uh, by ease. And this system allows you to just get really clear for yourself, really clear about this freedom for you. That's why we say freedom and confidence are the two words that, that we use to describe what this, what this work does is it creates freedom for yourself internally and externally, because now I can think as freely as I want to, and I'm free of what other people's projections are onto me or what other people's expectations are of me, because I recognize the language patterns of that they're using when they tell me, oh, I feel, you made me feel bad for eating a cheeseburger. It's like, I didn't make you feel bad for eating a cheeseburger. You made you feel bad, right? Yeah. So it's that freedom component of I'm no longer attached to anyone else's feelings or experience. I can care about them, right? I can mm. care about somebody else's feelings and experiences, and I can also be separate from them. And then the confidence piece is I don't care if someone else wants to eat a cheeseburger and I eat a cheeseburger that hasn't, and, and I eat something else that has nothing to do with me. Right. Mm. There's so much of like to bring it into the conversation of, um, with nutrition and dieting, a lot of what people, um, were up against, right. Specifically women, they go out to eat with their friends and everybody's comparing everyone's sitting there saying, Oh, I want to get chicken wings. Oh, I want to get potato skins. Oh, I want to have this, this, and this. And then one girl gets a salad. Now, all of a sudden, right. It's a problem. Because the one girl made everyone else feel bad about what they chose. And she probably feels like she wants those other things, but she won't do it. You know, she's tortured. Everyone at the table is tortured. <laughs> yeah. The behaviors and interactions of other people. When you have a solid view of yourself and you have a solid view of those values, when you have a solid view of what's going on in your own mind and you have freedom and confidence in your own choices, you don't care that everyone else at the table is all wound up about what you chose to eat or what they chose to eat. You're just there to have a good time. Now what's amazing is you put five people at a table that all feel the same way. Everybody is happy. Everyone is free. Everyone gets what they want without guilt, shame, nothing. Everyone's just there to have a good time and interact. Now that to me is a party I want to be at, right? Like I can't, I can't imagine sitting down with friends now and being and feeling judged by what I chose to eat or not chose to eat. Like, that doesn't even cross my reality anymore because I recognize I'm an individual who can choose whatever she wants and that anyone else's perception of me does not impact what I do. So it's, there's a lot of free, that's why the freedom is there, right? I feel free of other judgment. I feel free to choose what I want. And I'm also also confident in my choice because I'm clear and I'm accurate in my own mind. So when working with clients in this realm, specifically this is why it works so well within nutrition is people just really get the idea that I'm in control of my own body. I'm in control of my inputs. I'm in control of my outputs, which means I'm in control of my result. Mm-hmm. And if I can control, like if I have, you know, if I'm doing the pieces that I need to do, then I'm going to get the result that I want. And let me trust that. Let me hold that identity that I'm going to get that result. If I'm constantly at war along the journey with myself and with those around me, which is really just me at war with myself still. It's not, you're not actually at war with those other people. It's just you and your perception of those mirrors around you. Well, how do I get to the result? Because I don't, I don't have confidence in my outcome and I don't have freedom in my choice because I feel pigeonholed. Mm. So then I'm stuck, right? Then I'm just stuck and miserable. And who wants that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No one, no one wants that. No one wants to feel that. Yeah, not not a good place to live, <laughs> um, and that that's brought up no, a bit f- f- no. for me at a couple of family Christmases there when I was you know focusing on my bodybuilding because I like that's the start of the season is at the start of the year for the bodybuilding side of things, and I remember showing up to Christmas and then deciding that I wasn't going to have the big, or I was eating on that day, but I just wasn't eating all of the chocolate, partaking and drinking a heap of alcohol. And then my family members are like, you know, 
that's not very Australian to not have a beer on Christmas. And it's just like, well, my values at the moment are towards being my best version of me on stage in six weeks' time. And having alcohol today, yeah, maybe one or two might not have an effect, but that doesn't like make a difference to me. I'm still enjoying myself today, spending time with family and friends. Like I don't have to have a beer to enjoy myself. And that's something that comes up a lot in the coaching space as well as like, well, what do I do when my friends are going out and partying and they're drinking and all that sort of stuff? I, I feel like I can't have fun without you know, having a few, few drinks with them. And that's like coming back to what's that language? You can't have fun without, without alcohol. Yeah. What's some other things? I was going to say, that... let's language game that. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, what else do you let's do? Language like, game that. Let's language game that. Let's use the exact process here. Yeah. Well, because it's like, I feel, first of all, what the exact statements are. And I've heard this so many times. That's why I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to play this mm, game. Right? Yep. We're gonna <laughs> so a client says, I feel like exact words, right? I'd have them write this down. If you're, if you're listening and you've heard yourself say this before, write this down as we talk you through the exercise, cause you're going to get a lot of freedom from this. Here we go. So I feel like I can't have fun without drinking alcohol or without a drink, right? Period. One statement with a lot to dissect. It sounds, it sounds like you might be like, yeah, that's accurate. I feel that's true. Right. First thing I'm going to isolate. I feel like, right. That right there is a very key indicator that this is not actually reality, that this is a story that you are creating for yourself. Right. So I feel like let's just cross it out, cross that out. So now we're left with, I can't have fun without drinking alcohol. Now you can say that's more solid, right? We took out that feel like, which is soft talk that creates that story. Now it's more solid and we can say true or false. And you might say true. You might be like, yeah, that's true. I can't have fun without alcohol. And then I'm going to say, all right, tell me a time where you did have fun without drinking alcohol. You know, what did that feel like? Or how was that experience for you? Right? Shift the attention to something else. Because what, what's the second word in that statement is I can't. That's a negation. I can't have fun without drinking alcohol. Well, the, the thing we can do right there is we can just change that. We can just flip that can't to a can. We could say, I can't have fun without drinking alcohol. And people might be like, well, yeah, I can, it's possible, but it's not like what I really want. You know, it's not really like, okay, you know, that's not, that's not quite it. Right. So now, all right, cool. We'll, we'll take it one step further without right? Without is also a sneaky negation because it's saying, it's putting our attention on what we, what we want to have and can't have, right? So instead let's change it and say, I can have fun, uh, fill in the blank. I can have fun being myself. Yeah. I can have fun spending time with my friends. I can have fun and achieve my goals, right? Fill in the blank because it could be anything. We just, we want this to land for you. We want this to land for that person who's saying, I can't have fun, right? So what we started with was, I feel like I can't have fun without drinking alcohol. What's the mental image in that mind, in your, in your mind when you hear that tie? What do you think when you, when you see that? What is that person doing? Well, they're just, you know, relying on alcohol to give their personality of a fun individual. That That's the way that I look at that. Yeah. What I like when I think about the mental picture of like, when I hear that statement, what I see is like a person sulking in the corner at a party while everyone else around them is having a good time and getting drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Cause it's exactly the picture that it paints. It paints me in the corner, isolated by myself, not having fun because everyone else here is dancing and partying and laughing and giggling and like throwing back beers, you know, and it's like shots. And everyone's like, not for you. <laughs> right. Like it makes me feel isolated. It makes me feel left out. It makes me feel like deflated. Versus when I change the sentence and I get to somewhere closer to where we landed, which is I can have fun being present with my friends and family and achieve my goals. Well, now what I see is I'm in the party. I'm having fun. They're all drinking and I don't care. And I see myself succeeding at what my values are at that time. Right? So I see myself on stage winning my gold medal trophy. Now I get the best of both worlds. I get best of both worlds, not both and best of both words. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea is, is we can change those stories. We can change, we can change that mental imagery by what we say about it. And 
we just have to know how to do it. We just need to know to do it first. Like we need to know that we can manipulate that mental picture in our head and that feeling in our body by changing a few words. And then we need to know how to do it. We need to know that system. And the truth is that system is so simple. It's three pieces. Conflict language arches over all three. That's what it's called, right? Negations, which is the can'ts and the without. And the soft talk, I feel like. And then a projection, which would be, you know, if it's like, well, they get to have fun and I don't be like, mm. well, I can't do what they're doing. So it's their fault that I'm not having fun. So that victim story of, I feel like I can't have fun without alcohol, which is what that is. That's like a victim mentality statement. It's like, I'm the victim here that I'm deprived and I don't get to have fun versus mm. the empowered statement of, I get to have fun with my friends and family and achieve my goal. Totally different. Totally different. Mm -hmm. Like that person is empowered. That person is choosing what they want. That person is still engaged in both experiences and wins on both sides. Still the same person, still the same, same scenario, just a different story and a different mental picture, which results in a different feeling. And if you have a different feeling, you're going to result in a different action. So it's like it, once you see it, you're like, oh, that's easy. Just flip this through, boop, 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 tinker, 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 here, new statement. How's that feel? And your client's yeah. like, what? <laughs> Hell yeah. It's magic. I love that. It's magic. Uh, Those translations it is, it, will get you. Abracadabra. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. With yeah. my word I create, there it is. Yeah. Spot on, spot on. Well, um, we'll, we'll begin to wrap this up a little bit here, but um, just before I end this podcast, I always ask a question. And that question is just for a moment out of all of your life experience, what is one piece of advice that you could leave for the, for the listeners, whether that is to help them improve their health, their wealth, or their relationships? You can improve all three components of your life, right? Health, wealth, relationships by starting with the voice in your head. Mm. So the result and the outcome of all three of those components can be unlocked by understanding your story and understanding the way you think about yourself and that identity piece. So how do we learn to do that? It's focusing on the words. It's focusing on the story we're telling ourselves and more importantly, how we're telling ourselves that story. So if we're telling ourselves a story that makes us feel constricted and tight and anxious and overwhelmed and totally out of control. We have, we have a way to un, unwind that. We have a way to unlock that freedom and confidence for you. It's called architect language. When you learn how to flip your conflict language that creates that con that anxiety, overwhelm, um, the feeling of being stuck, the feeling of being disempowered, that living in that victim mentality, we have a way to break you out of it. And it's a simple system that you can learn. Anyone can mm. learn it. Even, you know, you just, if you know English, you can learn it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that it applies in other languages too. We just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. So the idea is, is you are in control of your own reality. You are in control of your own experience. And to get more out of your health, wealth, and relationships, start with the relationship with you and the voice in your head. And that's going to unlock a lot for you. Wow. I love that. I love that so much. So, um, We'll begin to wrap this up now, but before we do, do you want to just share what you've got going on? How can people get in, in touch with you? How can they get in contact with you? And what have you got going on with yourself and in Lifted and all the all the things that's going on that's great in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to learn more from me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Kimberly.Casting. I post a lot about my, uh, my food and my... Uh, some of my language stuff, a little bit of me in the gym, and I teach rowing classes, which are a lot of fun. So I blog about my life. I share my lifestyle and really like, like to spread some, some bright light, good entertainment on Instagram, positive interaction. Um, I'm also very social there. So if you want to chat, hit me up, let's talk in the DMs, trade some messages. That's lovely. And then if you want to learn more about, you know, unlocking that freedom and confidence, come check out Enlifted Coaches. So at Enlifted Coaches on Instagram, enlifted.me is our website. And we do a coaching certification for health coaches, fitness coaches, life coaches, anyone who's working in the world of uh, guiding other people to a better result, better quality of life. 
we can teach you these language tools to integrate with your clients. So we have a certification that we teach and we teach you how to use the lifted method to unlock freedom and confidence for yourself and your clients. It's very powerful work. It's very, it's very freeing and fun work. So Ty is going to be joining us in our next class, which starts on January 11th. We're very excited. And, uh, it's a, it's an awesome course to learn more and dive in. If you want to get started with this and you're like, oh, certification, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Talk to me about core language upgrade, which is a 21 day course. So we can help you learn these pillars of conflict language and architect language. And to learn more about it, shoot me a DM at add and lifted coaches. I'm happy to uh, hook you guys up with that course and, and get you started learning the power of words. Epic. Epic. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kimberly. I, Absolutely love this conversation and I'm sure that we're going to be having a lot more conversations in over the coming weeks and months and I'm super excited to be a part of the Unlifted community. So again, thank you very much for your time and, and we'll chat again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ty. Thanks for listening to The Break Plateau Show. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. Connect with us on Instagram at break.plateaus. And as always, head over to breakplateaus.com and get the show notes and more free resources.